Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I'm sitting across from a new friend just met last month, and it was fantastic to meet Daniel Heffington. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Jenny. It was great to meet you guys as well, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so thrilled to have you. So we met at the HSLDA conference, which stands for Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And it was in Missouri this year. We did some cool things there. They had some time for adventuring. But you work for um, an organization called Generation Joshua. That's right. uh, People say Gen J. Uh, It's just cool. It's cool. You sound sound like you're a pro already. (laughs) I love when organizations have cool nicknames, but we'd actually heard of you before because I had spoke at the Florida conference, the Florida Parent Education Yeah, FPEA down yes. there in Orlando. Yes, that's a fantastic conference. It's so fun. And so I spoke there this past year and there were teens running all over the building in a simulation of an election. Right. And I remember thinking, oh, I think I missed the boat. I should have signed my kids up for this. Uh, yeah. uh, but I didn't really know. But it was this exciting environment. And I loved it because I did a simulation in elementary school Neat. that I always have remembered. And it really stuck out to me. And I think so often we stop playing and we stop sort mm-hmm. of messing around with ideas as we get older. And so you have this program where you're allowing teens to play and to try things out and to mess around with things. So the one we did in elementary school, Daniel, was it was like you were on a ship and you made these decisions. It was almost like a choose your own adventure book, but as a whole entire class. And what this person did affected the other person. And I always remember it was really a fun thing. And I don't think you remember a lot from your school years, but I really remember that. And then in college, when I was getting my master's degree, Mm -hmm. I took a class called gaming and simulation and it was so interesting it was actually my favorite college class of all the ones i ever took and it was about it was really geared for people who train adults that when you know they're coming in human resources and they're trying to do different things for training and staff development how can you do it so it's more interactive and so we did all these games and all these simulations for team building and then i incorporated those i taught in the public school for a while i incorporated those into my high school so all the kids sat in teams. Let's have a fun class. Teams. It was fun for math. You know, yeah. all the kids had a team for the whole semester and we rotated and they sat in these little groups and they we did games. We did a ton of them because I had learned so much in that class at gaming and simulation. So anyway, I was super intrigued by what you do. And I just think it's such a fabulous opportunity for teens. So jumping in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up at Generation Joshua? Yeah, 100%. Um, first of all, let me ask you about just circle back. Was that like a game theory class? Did you get into like, like game theory of like, you know, kind of how people learn and how like, like, the, yes, the play. Yes, that's incredible. It was that's, fascinating. We, it was the coolest class. We could, I've ever we could spend the whole hour talking about that, but I'll answer your actual question, which was how did I get involved with Gen J? I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was a homeschool kid with public school teachers for my parents. So um That's common. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was really interesting. Where and they 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 eventually my dad went to teach in a private school and they were both musicians. They have come from like a orchestra classical background, and they were teaching in the schools. My dad was a band director, I was homeschooled, grew up. When I was in high school, the end of my high school, some friends roped me into joining their local Gen J club. Uh, Generation Joshua has a network of clubs all around the country. The dream is to have one in every congressional district so that every member of Congress hears from young people who are engaged and paying attention, which that's rarer than you'd like to think that they're hearing from like teenagers who know what they're working on and, you know, care about the issues. So I 
kind of reluctantly joined this local club. I was like, whatever. I like these friends. They, they're kind of, you know, okay, sure. Like, I don't know what they're getting me into, but I like them. So fast forward like a year or two, I was like 17 or 18 when I joined, I was the, the chaplain of the club. I would like read a Bible verse at the beginning of every meeting. And then I became the president of the club. It's, it's all student led. So you have little elections and this kind of stuff. And we want these local clubs to be a reflection of the Gen J community in that area. So we would do service projects. We would go feed the homeless. We would invite local elected officials to come and talk to our club. We would have like many debates and stuff. We would have, you'd be amazed how many, like how high up in the local government people will be interested to come if they know, hey, there's like 20 high schoolers here who are going to be asking really informed questions. We would hear from people who were like, hey, can I come to that next meeting? I heard you guys are meeting at the library or something like that. So it was really neat. Did all that. Then I aged out and I was like, well, this was really fun and really cool. I was feeling like I was learning a lot and empowered, but I was 19 and, and you're not in high school programs anymore when you're 19. So I was like a little bummed. But then I heard about the Leadership Corps, which is Gen J's kind of volunteer uh, young adult squad that like will train, background check, do all the stuff to make sure that they're really equipped to mentor and serve at Gen J events. So I started doing that and I would just volunteer weeks of my time and doing summer camps and conferences and this kind of stuff. Then a job opened up, long story short, la la la, life goes on. I came on board in 2013 to our national staff here in Purcellville, Virginia, which is near Washington, D.C., about 45 minutes or an hour away, depending on traffic. And it's kind of been, the rest is history. I've been here for almost 10 years now, and we travel around the country doing the kind of stuff you saw at FPEA. We get a bunch of teenagers together and we say, let's take the dry, boring, dustiness out of civics and government and let's bring some energy to it let's bring some uh tactile experience to it you know you said we we tend to stop playing as we get older and and we learn we tend to take the play out of learning we also tend to take the 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 senses out of learning we reduce the number of senses that we're using Mm. at a given moment when we're teaching and so we try to create these experiences that i joke and i say they're like a government class meets an escape room and that's not a perfect analogy but if you've ever done an escape room it's like this really outside the box kind of sandbox you know they call it like a sandbox thing where it's like it's a world created where you can kind of do anything and it will respond you can tap on this and wow it does this and so we do that where we create these simulations whether it's a presidential election or an international crisis and the kids are members of the white house cabinet trying to direct the dod and the cia and the fbi to like respond to what's going on the state department you know all this kind of stuff and then we just let them run wild with it. And we provide, you know, we provide structure, we provide advice if they want it, but there's a whole lot of letting them just try stuff. And then all of our simulations are built to the core to respond and adapt based on what they do. Kind of like a choose your own adventure, but mm-hmm. if in a choose your own adventure, you have like the two or three lanes to choose, this right. is like a spider web of lanes where it's like, it's never gonna really happen the same way twice. Right. Which that's interesting part of it and very intriguing how you even set them up or create them because with the choose your own adventure, it's usually just you and Mm -hmm. you pick and you have these jump off points. But like I said, I had done it in the fourth grade and I'd done a little bit in that master's class that I took where it's so fluid. So tell me why simulations. I'd love to talk a little bit about game theory. How did you end up with this with this concept of doing simulations? And what are the ones that 
You guys offer, I think, six different ones, right? We do currently. Yeah, that's right. So the the I was not you know the genius who who came up with this. We had um, I joined a, a team that had already been doing this. Uh, Joel Gruy, who's my boss, he was core in kind of getting these off the ground for Gen J. Jeremiah Lorig, he's uh, somebody you may have met at national conference as well. He's our deputy director. He. Uh, he and Joel were working on this for quite a while when I came on board and then I was became part of the team. And we worked on basically this idea that kids are going to learn and remember more if they're engaging multiple senses, if they're having fun. And this is just kind of a soft value that we bring to everything we do, which is they feel respected and not talked down to. Hmm. At a Gen J event, we're never, we we basically tell the teens, we're like, obviously there's things like basic safety. Like, no, you're like, if your parents drop you off for a program, we're not gonna like, let you just peace out and go across the street or something. But other than that, we basically treat teens like adults until they prove that we shouldn't. Like, as far as we trust them, we give them responsibility, we let them make decisions. And you'd be surprised how that really builds a good environment in the room mm -hmm. where they're like, hey, these people take me seriously, I can take them seriously, we don't shy away from the hard and difficult questions that arise. And it's just a blast, it's a lot of fun, you know, because quickly government and politics gets into philosophy and worldview and issues of the day and all that. And as we know, in America, that can be dicey, depending on who you're talking mm -hmm. to. It can be awkward. We're like, oh, I don't, I don't know where you stand. I don't know if I want to tell you where I stand, you know, all this. But when it's in the context of a pretend simulation and you have the chance where it's like we emphasize that failure is not scary. It's not scary and it's not a, a mm. crime. <laughs> like, you know, in our simulations, we kind of expect you to fail a little bit. And as long as you're learning from it, you know, we're kind of turning the concept of failure on its head a little bit because it's like, did you mm -hmm. learn from it? OK, great. Then was it really a failure? Maybe you're just learning, you know. So so all of that comes together to work. And then specifically, we have our simulations go into the presidential election one we have, which is called I-Elect, like an FBEA. Mm -hmm. All the parents at this whole conference, they get like 16,000 people at that conference. All the parents are the voters. The kids are the two campaigns who build their party from the ground up. They, they decide yeah. what they're going to stand for. And sometimes it's real life issues. Like you could look in the headlines and you see politicians talking about these types of issues. But oftentimes we're dealing with high schoolers. So oftentimes the issues are like make unicorns the national animal we're tired of having an eagle you know like, that kind right, of stuff right. where it's like just sometimes goofy but the 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 dynamics are still there the pathways are still there to building this party getting it off the ground getting your candidates and then getting out to talk to the voters and so they have to raise money they have to mm -hmm. have debates they have to talk to the media in all of this then we have and you do it all in such a condensed period yeah. of time oh my gosh yeah that's actually one of the challenges is like if we really could we'd love to have four days for each of these we're usually doing mm -hmm. them to like two days one of our programs I object. We've had to get that one down to one day. That's the only program we can do in one day. If we really, really pack it full, I object mm -hmm. is our grand jury simulation. Oh, I thought you were saying I object. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, that is kind of the, the joke on the name. But that um, one, in, yeah, that one's right. called I object. Exactly. And so I object is a 1930s mob murder simulation. So the kids are learning about the grand jury process and indictments mm -hmm. and rules of evidence and stuff that you think is like really nerdy and also most americans when we think jury if we're with it we're like yeah like you know the 12 people who decide if you're innocent or guilty and they you know vote right this is the grand jury which is before it hmm. even comes to court so it's like you don't even have 
the defendant in the room. This is like the whole process where can you even be charged with a crime? Grand juries are secret. It's like a, it's the shield and sword aspect of justice where it's like, we're not even going to bother you if we don't think we have evidence to even prosecute. So we Mm -hmm. teach the grand jury process by going back in time and putting on our best mafia accents from 1930s Chicago. Then we have uh, I advocate, which is like a congressional house and Senate simulation. We have I negotiate, which is a model UN. And so we have on that one that's complicated because every kid represents their own country and we have to have a team of writers that are writing at all hours behind the scenes so that the kids can be corresponding with their own head of state and that head of state can be informed and talking about the decisions that that kid just made as if they were fully informed on the world media scale all this stuff and so um I advocate Westminster. We just launched recently. That's a comparative government simulation where we're actually talking about the Commonwealth nations, Canada, the UK, nations that have a house of parliament. So we're actually going like back across the water, so to speak. And we're saying, how does parliament work? And why do we have it differently in America? What's the strengths and weaknesses of each system? All that wow. kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't want to just that's keep so rattling on, but Daniel, like, though, that's the kind of stuff we do. It piques your interest. And I was just yeah. talking to, I was, I'm in the middle of editing a podcast with this man named Alistair Humphreys and he is um, is cool name and he's a cool guy and he is a national geographic explorer of the year and he's I mean he's a cool guy he has biked around the world he has rowed a rowing boat across the ocean and he has these it's pretty amazing that he has these different books and he says what experiences do is they take the things that seem so boring right and he says it just like that boring geography you know and it makes it come alive and so when you talk about these different things and it also makes you realize how much you don't know right right well he can he can relate because or we can relate to him because what's more boring on paper and what's more like kind of triggering to people than civics and government class do you know anyone who like came out of their school and they're like civics and government was where it was at No, not, like, not really. No. And right. if you tell people you're like, you know, oh yeah, we, we teach students civics and government in a really interactive, simulative way. People at first, until they kind of get to see it in action or we, they see a video or they come to a, a simulation we're doing, they'll kind of have this reaction like back away slowly. Uh, okay, nerd, like, you know, I'll let you guys go over there and you're probably going to join chess club too, right? And we're like, well, sure, we welcome nerds if they want to come. But like, if you come to a Gen J event, these are like just everyday kids who mm-hmm. are getting empowered by realizing that their voice matters, that they have a, yeah. a voice in this system called democracy. And that we're going to say, hey, here's a fun way to learn how you can use it, how you can really unlock that key of citizenship and not have it be this dark, mysterious, foreboding, uh, you know, because because really, when we dismiss something as nerdy and boring, it's often because we don't understand it and we're a little mm-hmm. bit scared of it. So it's like, we're going to say, let's take all the all the mystery, let's take all the, you know, the, the foreboding aura of politics and government, and let's say, hey, here's some some tools that you can use. We're, we don't have time to cover every issue or every situation, but right. we'll give you the tools so that you can. Right. That's a little bit of a protective measure, I think, is when we yeah. write things off because we think we might fail at it or we don't understand. Yeah, it's, it's like self-defense or self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. 
Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I.com outside for 15% off your first order. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot, and for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code OUTSIDE120 at goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120, code OUTSIDE120. And I love the interactive component of it. So our two sons did the one in Missouri. They both joined in and they loved it and they made good friends. And then there were other events that they went off. Actually, you guys went to an escape room and everyone. We actually did do an escape room at that event. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. They went on the bus and went to the escape room. And and so it was really helpful for them to build relationships. And then they want to come back. You know, I think that's a really (laughs) cool part of childhood is when you have these amazing events and then, you know, they're building relationships with kids from all over the country. And they're learning even geography and things like that through those relationships. So it's an awesome program. And it's very intriguing, even just the part of coming up with the simulations. Mm -hmm. What kind of a process is that? Is there one person that's kind of a brains behind it? Do you have sort of a formula that you follow a little bit? So it's kind of crazy. And there is a method to the madness. There's also a lot of madness. Um, (laughs) But we do have so so I would say the core group that when we're developing a new one of these that will kind of sit down and spend hours before bringing it to all of our team is Jeremiah Lorick, who's our deputy director, Brant Edmonston, who works with Gen J and HSLDA Action and Glenn Birch. They've kind of been the um, core group that's developed a lot of these. We've all had our hands in them and we all we all regularly are helping to develop them and iterate them. But those guys will kind of get a seed of an idea and start having some some meetings on it, mm. talking about what are we trying to teach, then how are we going to try to teach it. And then, for example, Glenn Birch, he is our like walking encyclopedia of government procedure, politics, Senate mm. procedure. Like basically, the man 
will go to Washington, D.C. and sit in the gallery of the U.S. Senate at 2.30 in the morning while they're having a particularly interesting budget vote. And I consider myself a pretty engaged person politically. I don't understand that. I don't understand going to sit at 2.30 in the morning in the gallery, but it's paid off for him because he can rattle the stuff off. And so he's always there to kind of make sure that we're doing it accurate to the real world. We obviously Mm -hmm. we're doing it in two days versus an entire legislative session. So there's certain things we have to truncate and simplify to make it happen in the two day timeframe we have. But more so than than a lot of the other stuff you'll find out there, we bend over backwards to try to make sure that we are modeling the real procedure and the real pathways and the real types of motions and rules that kids would have to run into with this. And so he'll kind of be there as like the accuracy meter. Um, Jeremiah Lorig, he'll kind of be the like philosophy and ethics and history uh, informative side of it. Brant Edmondson, he's kind of a blend of both of those two and they'll kind of all be talking and then they'll bring it to the wider team. And Joel and I, I don't know if you got to meet Joel, he's our director when we were in St. Louis, but if you couldn't tell, he has a bit of drama in him. And I definitely, I'm a creative, dramatic Mm -hmm. person a bit. So Joel and I will kind of get involved when it's like time to kind of bring the production to life, like kind of add, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. put, make the, bring the greatest showman to it and be like, okay, here's how we're going to roll this out on stage type thing. And we all, we were all involved in different stages of it. We have a very small team. We only have like seven full-time staff here at our office and we're a national organization and we do these all the time. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. There's a ton of meetings, a ton of like, you know, and each one is different. There's not a formula as far as like the way you go through these. Each program has its very own um, mechanics, has its very Mm -hmm. own set of data and info. So there's all this, you know, specific. Oh, then the other thing is when we bring in volunteers to help staff it, like from our Gen J leadership core, we have to have in-depth meetings with each person to make sure we give them like folders and documents. And we're like, okay, here's the role you're playing. Here's your world of knowledge. It becomes like an acting role. And it's like, you need to read about this character. Here's when they were born. Here's what country they come from. Here's what kind of accent they have. And here's what they like to have for afternoon tea. Make sure you remember that when we get to the event Wow, it's so immersive. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Do you have a favorite? of the six man um i object is a super fun one because i personally get to do a ton of the the witnesses in this court case and so there's Mm -hmm. a ton of costuming in that there's a ton of acting in that and i also sometimes depending on how it goes uh may or may not end up playing a slightly deranged serial killer (laughs) so you know, that's always kind of fun to let out your yeah. inner Heath Ledger or something. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so it's kind of fun. How it's, fun it's, for the kids. Like you yeah. said, those classes can be so boring almost yeah. always. Yeah. And so what a cool experience for them. Like I said, my sons both loved it and are excited so to glad. come back. You did this really cool thing. So we, uh, we've we gone to some conferences, just a handful and we set up a booth too for 1000 hours outside. Yeah. And we give out free stickers <laughs> mm-hmm. that say 1000 hours outside on them. But you had something really unique at your booth at the Generation Joshua booth in St. Louis. Yep. You were giving out someone else's book. And right. I thought, well, that's really unique. And the one that you're giving is a New York Times bestseller, Steal Like an Artist, 10 Things Nobody Told You About Being Created by Austin Kleon. Tell us about that. Why did you choose this book? You know, normally yeah. people just give things that promote themselves. And basically, right. like, that's what we did. <laughs> you know, you give away your own thing, but you're giving away someone else's thing. And I thought it was so unique. And and I love the book. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit, cool. but tell us, yeah, for sure. tell us why. 
Okay, sure. Good. That's a great question. Um, first of all, we're not above giving out stuff that promotes ourselves. I think we also <laughs> gave out a Gen J pen or something in that sure. packet. So we're not, you know, we're not like, like just total, you know, angels or something. Um, but like the reason we did that is because uh, we were at a, a conference. That particular conference was for homeschool leaders from across the country. All these people who are either involved in providing curriculum or support or events. And a lot of these people run their own conferences back in their own state. So it's kind of like a conference of the people who run mm -hmm. conferences. Right. And so we know what that's like. We, we, we run a ton of events for teens over the year. And so um, I'm usually involved in a lot of the production of our events. And if there's one thing I know over the past two years or so, if you've been the, in the event space, you've had to be creative. There's mm -hmm. been no uh, easy way. There's been no shortcuts. I mean, we're on Zoom right now. I think all of us know Zoom more yeah. than we ever thought we would yeah. after, you know, since 2020, basically. And I thought, you know, what better way to maybe give these people a shot of adrenaline wow. is just say, hey, you're doing a good job. We see you. We're in it with you. And here's a great you know, resource on creativity. I personally have benefited from this book for a really long time. I've, I've had it for about eight years. And I think it's about eight years, whatever. I'll check. I got it pretty soon after it came out. Yeah. And it had so much practical advice yeah. about the creative mindset. So it's weird because it's yeah. both practical and mindset yeah. philosophical. For me, I'm the sort of person where like, the outworking kind of takes care of itself if I can get the ideas sorted in my mind and if I can get in the right headspace. If I can get in the right mm -hmm. headspace, I know what to do after that. And so it talks about creativity. It talks about fighting through creative block. It talks about originality and the weird mm -hmm. uh, fact that, you know, it, the, the title is Steal Like an Artist. And it's kind of like no one creates in a vacuum. And mm -hmm. so we've got to remember that even as people who are putting on events or people who are doing anything, we, like, it's like there's so much pressure to, to be like the lone genius myth. He kind of takes down the lone genius myth yeah. in this book where it's like, I'm going to lock myself away in my tower, in my laboratory, and I shall emerge with the lightning, you know, from the heavens that I have stolen, and I'm going to bring my genius to the world. And it's like, not even the people that we remember as geniuses worked that way. Einstein didn't work that way. Mozart mm -hmm. didn't work that way. They were all creatures and people of their time, informed by the whole set of factors and, and information and data and inspiration that mm -hmm. any of us would have at a given time. And so I think that's encouraging for people to say, hey, you know what? You're not alone in the creative slog. And sometimes it is a slog. And here's some ways that you can kind of some stars that you can kind of set your course by and say, hey, here's mm -hmm. here's some inspiration. Here's an encouragement to kind of not overthink it and just start cranking it out. And um, yeah, we can talk as much about that as you want. But like, that's, that's kind of how we put it in there yeah. was we're like, we want to give them something. We're not, we're not selling them something. This was in granted, we can't give away New York times, bestselling books to every person we meet, but we, we right. invested in it for this event. And we're like, this is a group of people that we think could really use this. So we're going to do it. And we gave yeah. everybody a copy. Wow. And I love it. It is filled and it's a cool read too, because it's very oh, yeah. different. Of course it's creative looking. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of comics and 
and the yeah, way like that it played out drawings it's, and yeah. squiggles and mm-hmm. yeah yeah and even the cover and this is like how much i nerd out like even the cover has this kind of like gummy feeling to it that's mm-hmm. like a really fun uh you know it's like it feels different than every other book you hold you yeah know? it does it's a smaller size the size yep. of it is great and yep. he had quote after quote in there about oh how gosh. artists do believe about they steal other people's ideas and when yep. you say steal they're not plagiarizing and he talks right. about the difference right. between plagiarism and stealing but even you know kobe bryant and all of these people that you've heard about you know brian and david bowie and they talk about they he has all these quotes for them mark twain i like this one it is better to take what does not belong to you than to let it lie around neglected (laughs) right (laughs) exactly i mean it was it was quote after quote and you kind of think oh this is what all of these amazing creators are doing they're Mm -hmm. really paying attention to life so one of the well we just went to lake michigan probably for the last time because it's getting cold and Mm -hmm. we were there just for the last couple days and we went to the beach i was with a couple other families and everyone forgot their beach toys and so of course there was grumbling at the beginning where's the beach toys no one has them (laughs) and then the kids had to deal with what was there the Uh elements that were there and there was a lot of driftwood which is really fun to play with and so they were making boats and carrying these big pieces and making oars and setting up a mast and putting a bag of chips on there for the flag and all these different (laughs) things and so creativity is something that we talk a lot about here at 1000 hours outside because play is enhancing imagination it's enhancing creativity and those are the things that are setting our kids up for a world that is rapidly changing so i really love this book and one of the things that that was a topic and i think is a really pertinent one because you do this is about side hustles Mm, yeah and i think there's this balance right we don't want to overwork but also there is a lot of encouragement in the book to play around with your side hustles even the sentence that says keep all your passions in life So tell us a little bit about your side hustle and how that helps you with the rest of your life. Sure. Yeah. Um, So in my other life, when I'm not, you know, wearing my Gen J hat and traveling around the country doing this kind of stuff, I'm a singer songwriter and I'm a musician. And so that's, again, big surprise. It's quite a creative, uh, you know, pursuit. And um, since I was 15, I've been doing music in some format or another. When I was uh, very little, I started writing songs when I was about six or seven years old. And I would just write them down on pieces of paper and not show them to anyone. And my mom would be like tidying up my room or something. Mostly I had to clean my room, but sometimes she'd be in there like messing around with it. And she'd like find a scrap of paper and she'd be like, did you write this? And I would be like, no. And it's like clearly my handwriting, you know, so like, you know, um, but I was scared to death to share my songs with anybody for a really long time. Um, But then eventually I learned guitar, which I said I never would do. I said that guitar was for dumb teenagers who wanted to try to learn three chords and look impressive. And Mm -hmm. I was very judgy. It was not not a good moment. but I eventually learned guitar and then I started kind of playing songs and uh, I would play music in my church. I would lead worship there. I would play shows with the band in high school. And now it's kind of as life has evolved and I've moved on. I still I still play music at my church and different events uh, around kind of the church space. But I also just write and record a ton of original material and play shows at every, everything from coffee shops to music clubs in D.C. to, you know, places, house shows around the country, um, all that kind of stuff. So, that, so I do that. I, um, I love it. And it's a big part of what is in my heart to do. Mm-hmm. And it definitely keeps me fresh, too. Every time that I've kind of... Um, 
poured effort and time and resources into that part of my creativity, it's somehow there's something, and I don't even know what it would be, but you know, for example, I write a lot for Gen J. I do a lot of our communications and copywriting. Mm -hmm. So when I've just had an amazing songwriting session the night before, I come into the office the next day working on Gen J stuff, some, some of that magic has carried over and I'm like, I'm in a better spot to kind of get this out. And so, you know, I think that our creativity is always interconnected. And so as we're kind of growing each of the muscles, whatever that is, whether it's the day job hat you're wearing or not, if you're a wholehearted person and you're kind of making sure that each of those parts of you gets attention, it's going to benefit the whole. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just this thing like keep on playing. And that mm -hmm. was a theme throughout the whole book, which was that this play and these hobbies, yep. just keeping up with hobbies. And I think we don't do that so much anymore. It's no. such a society of production. Yep. And how are you going to monetize that and that exactly. type of thing? We almost act like it's irresponsible mm. to have a hobby for fun or to have a hobby for just like self improvement or enjoyment yeah. or something like that it's like we're like okay well if it's if it's not going to be you know monetized right now and have a you know hgtv show in a couple years then why are you even doing it you know right. and it's like that's that's ridiculous so you know right. that's not how we were meant to to live yeah one of the really cool things i got out of this book in particular and it is affecting my life at this exact moment was mm -hmm. he has this idea of analog versus digital, which I think is actually coming yeah. up a lot. Mm -hmm. Analog, going back to the analog. And so he talks about, and I've never heard this before, the author, Austin, he has two desks mm -hmm. and that's not practical for everybody, right. but he has these two workspaces. One workspace is strictly analog. It's yep. all hands-on. Yep. And that's where he says he starts. Maybe you got post-it notes and you've got Sharpies and you've got cool pens and yep. you've got pieces of paper and you've got scissors and you can cut and sort. And he goes back and forth between this analog and the digital. And then he yep. says, when I get stuck at the digital spot, which is just at my computer, then I go back to this other analog station and he says, yep. and play. That's the word he uses. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, again, like you said, it's not practical for everyone to have two separate spaces, but I try to, that's a specific idea that I've tried to incorporate from that book where sometimes, especially for me, one of the worst things is when you have a, a writing project you got to do, whether it's an article or an email or a, a marketing piece or something like that. And it's supposed to be compelling. It's supposed to accomplish all these goals, include a really good call to action, inspire people. And you just have a blank document. You just open that Word document, that Google Docs sheet, whatever it is, and you are just like blinking cursor, nothing on the page. Yeah. Everyone hates the blank page. And if they if they tell you otherwise, they're probably, you know, compensating for something. Um, but what I'll try to do because of that is like, literally, if you stop by my office, you'll see me with random notepads of paper and stuff where I will start pieces that will eventually be some email campaign or something like that, just with a ton of random squiggles on a, a, mm -hmm. a tactile, you know, number two pencil and a you know, clean sheet of paper or my dry erase board that hangs on the wall over there. And it sometimes looks really messy and really weird. And sometimes I'll show it to people and be like, this was where it started and this is what it wow. turned into. And they're kind of like, yeah, that's weird. That only makes sense to you. And I'm like, okay, fine, but it does make sense to me. And the, you like the results. So it's like, you know, that, that's, that's yeah. great. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, embracing whether you need to, even, you know, this is a classic one that people throw out, but Steve Jobs of Apple fame, he would go have meetings on walks outside. And I think wow. the things that we can do to kind of shake up 
our creative process when we're getting in a rut or we're getting stuck or it's getting too digital or clinical, I'll even do that. It's like, if we got, if I got to have a 15 minute talk with somebody and we don't need our computers in front of us, why are we going to sit inside a four walled office that we've been in all day already? Why don't, why don't we like go see the sunshine and maybe as we move around, as we look at stuff, that's just going to pull something totally new out of thin air. And, you know, it's, I think the same way is like getting out outside of just the same old device you're using and pulling out a Sharpie and smelling the marker and getting it. I mean, not like not too hard. Don't smell it too hard. But like, you know, Some people you, love that smell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know, you, you, you know, you're using a marker and then you get it on your hands a little bit. And you're like, oh, gross. I got to go wash my hands. But it's permanent marker. It won't come off. And like, you know, it's like you just deal with all that. And somehow the little imperfections of analog can really be re refreshing in our in our digital world because you know yeah. you're never gonna i love things like um if you ever use the procreate app on like an ipad mm -hmm. which is like a graphic yep. design app i love that stuff but you're never gonna smell the ink of a mm. procreate pencil you're never gonna accidentally get that on your hands and have to wash it off so there's something right. that grounds you about the other one too you know? yeah right because you can just double tap and erase what you just did right, or exactly, all of those types exactly. of things so it's, yeah. it doesn't match the real world and i yeah. even think this is such a good idea for our kids so you talk about you're looking at the blank sheet and you got the cursor mm -hmm. up on your screen. Well, it's the like same for our kids and you're overwhelmed. You know, yep. they got their blank math worksheet. They've got their blank yep. whatever paper that they're trying to work on. It makes you think, well, what if we had a small little other station for them that mm -hmm. had, well, you talk about having a Lego shelf up, but had mm -hmm. some things that they could work with with their hands just yep. for a little bit and kind of go back and forth in between the two. And I thought if we struggle with it, how much do they struggle with it? That feeling of being overwhelmed. So true. And you, you remind me of a, of a story I have to tell you because I have three, I have three kids, a daughter who's seven. Her name is Ellie daughter. Who's four. Her name is Piper. And my son Tuck is one. And um, Ellie who's seven is like creativity on steroids. Like, I'm not kidding. We just had a vacation at the beach for one week. We were there like six days. Mm -hmm. We brought an unopened ream of paper like a whole thing of printer mm -hmm. paper, like the packet you buy, it was all but gone by the end of six days, just because she's like this constant flurry of like cutting and pasting and, and, and markers and this kind of stuff. And it's kind of almost become an issue because we have a pretty small house and she's got this corner that she calls her art corner. And every time we've had to start like, you know, cleaning up empty jars and boxes, like after she goes to bed, because mm -hmm. if she sees us like washing out an olive jar or something like that, she'll be like, can I have that? <laughs> I could use that. I think that. it would be useful for my <laughs> art center. And then, you know, when she puts it that way, what what are we going to say? We'd be like, no, you can't have that for your art center, kid. Uh, we don't support art. What? No, of course we do. You know, it's like, right. so we have to give her, we give her all this stuff and she's got like a stockpile of it and then she turns it into stuff. And that's, you know, mm -hmm. she's found that even in the middle of her school days because we, we homeschool and she's like, she'll finish up a math thing. And then that's like her total outlet for the afternoon or yeah. something. And crazy stuff comes from it. And it's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's I'm, a great I'm idea for, for our that. kids. It, and yep. you said when you lose steam, and we all lose steam at yep. certain points of time, you know, 100%. the answer I think is not to go to your phone and scroll. Right. The answer is to go play. That's what he yep. says, get up and do yep. something analog. And, and I love that. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. 
and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp h-e-l-p.com slash 1000 hours. One thing I'll say, because Austin Cleon is obviously uh, somebody I really, you know, I love his thoughts on creativity and all this. He has a really cool newsletter that comes out every Friday. It's just his email. So you can go to his wow. website and sign up for it if you if you like those kind of thoughts. The other thing is there's a little backstory about how he even got those books because we were in between a ton of events and had just made the call to go with this. We were considering like three different pieces for the mm-hmm. national conference and we made the call to go with this one. And then we were going to have Amazon just drop it all in St. Louis and Amazon didn't have enough copies. Wow. So this was, and this is where we go back to the digital world. And it's really yeah. cool too, because I knew that Austin was this kind of outside the box thinker, writer, artist dude. So I just tweeted him on Twitter and I was like, Austin, I need like 120 copies of your book tomorrow in St. Louis or like in two days in St. Louis. Is that doable? And so he put me in, he replied like 10 minutes later, he put me in touch with his publisher, all this. And so we we got it all to St. Louis and that happened. And, you know, he's that kind of person where it's like, he's not above replying to you on Twitter and being Mm -hmm. like, you know, here's how we're going to hook you up. You know, all this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was creative in his way of even getting you the book. There's so many great topics in this one. I really got so much out of it, but one of the the things he talks about is boredom and Uh he says, creative people need time to just sit around and do nothing. When I get busy, I get stupid. That was a a sentence in there. He says, if you're out of ideas, wash the dishes, iron shirts. So how, how do you make sure that you have time for boredom in your life? And what have you seen things kind of burn? I mean, even with your daughter, that's birthed out of, I mean, she's not bored, but it's birthed out of empty space. Right, right. And I think that's the challenge is like, 
creating empty space. And I'm not, I'm definitely, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad with a full-time job. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician with a side hustle. Yeah. I, you know, we have three kids. So it's like empty space is hard to create sometimes. And I'll be the first mm-hmm. to admit that. And I don't claim to have it perfected, but if you can have, I think having a few, you know, rhythms in your life, like little, again, is it going to be perfect this way every week? No way. But we'll try to do things like after dinner. Um, when I get home, it's like after dinner in the in the 90 minutes or so between finishing dinner and bedtime for the girls, they kind of know that they have like access to me for the most part, unless there's like an event or something. And so mm-hmm. that means that usually we'll go outside. You know, if the weather's nice, we're outside, we're swinging on the swings and watching the sunset and that's kind of just what yeah. we do as a really you know kind of cool thing and that often turns into these crazy imaginative games including mm-hmm. a um story that is now the story that they get told every night before bed which is yeah. this growing fantasy world called the forbidden forest that ellie made up while we were sitting one day wow. on the swings looking at the little scraggly patch of trees at the back of our property it's not a forest but mm-hmm. to her it's the forbidden forest and wow. it's like that's you know so that kind of stuff if you can just kind of have those uh, a couple of anchor points where it's like, you know, okay, this is a busy day. This is crazy. But I know about 6 p.m. tonight, we'll probably be doing chalk on the porch or we'll probably be swinging on the swings. That can be for me, at least like, and again, that's particularly with them. That's not even just alone time where I'm doing nothing. But with them, that's a place where we can touch base and check in and kind of let there be empty space to either see what ideas come up to talk about or see a cool thing in the yard. And let's be honest, seven and four years old even in the empty space there's not a lot of empty space like you know it's usually yeah. filled with a lot of chatter and and silliness but i love that and so you know that's what we're that is empty space i think exactly in terms i of, agree yeah it's this concept and i think that was the biggest thing i got out of it is stepping away from the digital mm-hmm. we have to have these times in our life where we step away from the digital yeah. and go back to using all of our senses even like you're talking about within the generation joshua within the sim- uh, simulations yep. using your senses and yep. there was a quote in here about using your digits it was something like oh in the digital age don't forget to use your digits that's don't, right you know don't forget to use your fingers and your that's hands right. and yep. your body and and i love that part and so that's yep. one of the the my biggest takeaways and that's what you're talking about is at yep. the end of the day you're stepping away from your email it's that's still right. coming in yep. you know you're stepping yep. away from your phone from text messages they're still coming yeah we're we're setting time aside and actually i met someone i already knew but i spent some time with her at that particular conference and she has her phone sends out a message that says something like i only respond to texts between 4 and 6 p.m and if you need call me so if you really need something call me but she has set that up that boundary in her life Oh, that's a neat way to do it because then you're not getting interrupted all day long and you can have a little bit more control, I think, over your day to day. For sure. And just creating, yeah, creating space to let, to, to kind of be human and be like, you know, have eye contact and all that kind of stuff is really, is really important. And we're, you know, we're a, we embrace so much of modern life and you know we're not like like i love movie nights with my girls as much as as anything else but there is something special to be like just out there and the only we don't have a screen we don't have a whatever we're just looking at the sun or we're looking at the sky and that can honestly that's created some really sweet moments that are like they don't really happen any other way and sometimes we'll yeah it's it's pretty special so yeah I'm, i'm all for it I'm circling back to one sentence in the book, and I don't even know. Usually I put page numbers down, but I didn't for this one. Okay. This sentence says, there's only one reason I'm here. I'm here to make friends. 
And I love that because actually, because actually it's what we talked about at the very beginning, which is for your situation, how did you even end up in this role? You were here to make friends for my sons. The reason that they want to come back is because of their friends. And so I love that that's in this book. And I I don't even know the context. Like I said, I just have that one sentence right now. Well, what the context was for him. I think it's, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's basically his really core grain idea of community, which Mm -hmm. is like, you know, we're here to connect with and experience community. And if it's not in there, he has, by the way, just spoiler alert, you should definitely if you love this book, definitely get the sequel, which is called show your work and show your work is utterly amazing, especially if you're a person, I would say steal like an artist, everybody should read Mm -hmm. show your work, you should read if you have any presence in the world as like, a brand or hmm. a anything to do like like we don't want to say marketing because it feels like inauthentic and icky but anything that's like you know a message you're trying to get out mm-hmm. um or a, or a, a art you're trying to get out or a craft or something like that definitely read show your work as well where he basically talks about like we're not it's like the balance that's always with creativity and art where it's like most of us if we're really inspired we would do it whether or not anybody was watching and that's mm-hmm. somehow I'll tell people that's somehow how you know kind of where your passion lies. It's like what do you right. do when you don't have to do it? Like what do right. you do when you know when what can you not stop yourself from doing basically? But yeah. there's the other side, which is like we also were designed for community and and the whole like lone artist myth, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. that he does a great job taking down is we weren't supposed to be creating in a test tube or a vacuum right. or this, you know, weird, like I'm cut off from everything else. And I originated all these ideas. You know, I think a great thing that comes to mind is like, there's um, ancient in, in the Bible, there's a, a thing called song of Solomon. And it's this guy just writing down all his, well, actually, no, I think it's Proverbs um, or Ecclesiastes. It's one of those, uh, you know, I read my Bible <laughs> a lot. Um, I really do. But you know, um, the, but he talked about, there's nothing new under the sun. And yeah, that's a, kind of, the, yeah, it's in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes but it is Solomon. Yeah. So that's why I said, yes, okay, yes. there we go. You know, if, if go, you're yeah. a Bible reading person, don't judge me too hard. Okay. <laughs> um, but Solomon, who's this ancient wise King dude, he's like, there's nothing new under the sun. And he said that however many thousand years ago. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the deal with creativity here, where it's like, if you think that you just like the genius of your own mind thought up everything you've ever thought of, you're kind of self-deluded because it's like, no, you've been sitting in this this community, making those friends, taking right. the inspiration, stealing like an artist. Reading these different books. Reading these different books. Mm-hmm. Everything that contributed to who are the stories you love that, you know, I mean, have yeah. you ever watched, there's this great comedian or it's this great comedy bit where it's this guy who basically has a theory and he's like, Harry Potter and Star Wars are the same story. And he's like, oh, I'll, he's like, I'll prove it to you. I wouldn't so know because I don't like Star Wars. <laughs> that's, oh, oh my gosh, sorry, I'm wearing a Star sorry, Wars hat sorry, right now. I have, I have Baby Yoda on my shelf, <laughs> but that's okay. We can still like be friends, okay? okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe but, I do. Yeah, I just um, haven't really watched it. Well, I'm kind of a nerd. I was born in 1990 and Star Wars was like what me and my friends did all the time. So anyways. Um, but, all right, take it back, Daniel. Okay, we can, there's hope here. We can still, we, you can like Star Wars at some point, maybe. Um, but anyways, he talks about, um, his, his theory is like Harry Potter and Star Wars are the same story. Really wow. what he's joking about is he's joking about the six or seven parts of a story that every story has. And it's like, that's a perfect example of stealing like an artist where it's like, you don't want to plagiarize anybody. 
But does your story have a protagonist? Does your story have an antagonist? Let's see. Do they have There's a always challenge? Like the helper. There's always yeah, do the they have a challenge aid. or a quest or a guide? Yeah. Do they have a climax? Do they have a really sad moment? Do they have an obstacle? It's like, mm-hmm. of course they do. So you yeah. can really zoom out and say, yeah, it's all the same, except that we love each thing individually. And that's how creativity yeah. works is it's like you're combining your 5% with the 95% that you know we all have access to mm-hmm. and creating something that is somehow a new 100% creation that yeah. we all can can sit back and be like wow yeah. that's really beautiful and then you and show it you show your exactly work. you you show it exactly and yeah. that's if you don't it's not that it's not worth doing but maybe you're leaving some people out of something really right. cool Right. Uh, he starts the book with that verse. I mean, that's, I think, right at the beginning, chapter one. Wait, are you is, serious? Nothing. Yeah, nothing is original. Was, oh, my he gosh. He says it's right there in the Bible. There is nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1, 9. That's incredible. Right wow. off the top. So, yeah, it's true. And I like the that the artist is a collector. I mean, this is one of the mm-hmm. things that the themes that he talked about, which was constantly being constantly collecting good ideas. It says your yep. job is to collect good ideas. The more good ideas you collect, the more you can choose from to be influenced by. And so there was just a lot in here about being an interesting person. Always be reading. Nothing is more yep. important than an unread library. Go deeper than anyone else. So it was a fantastic book. Daniel, thank you. Aww, I'm so glad. Thank it you. Something that really touched me. And I'm in the middle of writing a book. I have a a deadline on November 15th. Are you serious? So this analog, uh, yeah. So I have all these different colored pens. I really did do that analog. I don't have two workstations, but yeah. the analog dig- digital thing where I thought I'm going to go back and forth a little bit. That's and so cool. And then actually I had your generation Joshua folder. So I used that. <laughs> like I didn't have any paper. I feel so honored. Like, we, like we're that. like a, a little grain of sand in your book process. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. really important. So, so yeah, cool. I really appreciate that. If people are interested in finding out about generation Joshua, maybe for their kids or for themselves. Can you tell us where they can go? And also if they're interested in your music? Absolutely. So for Generation Joshua, uh, generationjoshua.org is our website or at Generation Joshua on Instagram. Um, we are also on Facebook, but I don't, I don't know where your audience mostly hangs out. A lot of our audience is younger and mostly hangs out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're on all the places. Um, for me, uh, if you want to check out my music, I'm just Daniel Heffington on all the music platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, all that kind of stuff. Or my website is danielheffington.com. And Instagram, I'm at Daniel H. Official. So All right. I'm fairly, fairly easy to find out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, awesome. I'd love to connect with anybody who's listening and wants to talk more about any of this. I'm, yeah. I'm one of those people who are just like, you know, Austin Cleon, who, who tweeted me back. If somebody sends me a DM or a random tweet or something, maybe one day when I get as many followers as you, Jenny, maybe I'll have to stop like replying to every DM oh, or something. It is sad. But, I'm but, actually you know, there and I do feel bad about it. I'm I'm still, you know, mercifully at the spot where it's like, if you send me a DM, you'll hear back unless mm-hmm. you're like a weird bot. Um, but I don't think you have weird bots listening to this. So I, um, I, I would love to connect with anybody who wants to reach out. That's awesome. So Daniel, we always end our podcast the same way with a favorite memory of yours from childhood that was outside oh man oh gosh okay so i spent we didn't even talk about this but i spent the majority of my childhood outside because we had a tiny house uh Mm. and the only vacation we ever took for like years was camping that was just our family culture so here's one all right here's here's one we were camping and this is a surprising one, I guess, for a favorite story, but it, it was formative for me. Mm-hmm. A huge storm came up in the middle of our camping trip. We camped on the edge of this body of water called the Currituck Sound. It's kind of near the Outer Banks. 
and the waves of this body of water crossed the road and flooded our campsite. One of our friends had to pack up their tent and leave. They just couldn't take it anymore in the middle of the night. Like they packed up all their kids in their tent at like 1 a.m. Um, I woke up upside down in the woods about 30 yards from where my tent had been set up. And I was 11 years old and I look and I'm like on the roof of my tent in the woods and the world is turned upside down. And I unzip it and I step out into like this hurricane and I realize that my tent has been lifted up with me in it and carried into the woods, which I was not a small 11 year old. So like, I don't know what had to do that. Um, but like the wind just like got me in there. I, I kind of stumble out, we reset the campsite, all of our adventure stuff is all around. We're like, it's, it's nuts. The lightning's flashing, the wind's blowing. But then I, they were like, you want to come in the camper? Because the rest of my family got to sleep in this sweet camper. But I was the oldest boy, so I got kicked out into my own little <laughs> tent, you know? I get that. Um, so then somehow, I don't know why, but I guess I was just kind of digging the whole like stormy adventure shipwreck feeling. And I was like, no, I'm going to stay out here. And I just like dragged my tent back, staked it back where it had been. I actually used stakes this time because I had been too lazy to put the stakes in before. And then I just spent the rest of the night out there. And then I got up and like in the morning, the storm debris was out there. And we're like looking at everything and cooking some pancakes. And yeah. somehow I was like, I just did something here. This was awesome. And I don't even know what that was, but it was like, that was, that's something that was a favorite memory. So I guess mm -hmm. camping in general was pretty awesome, but that particular story was mm -hmm. stuck out as like a, a formative experience outside. <laughs> and very sensory, uh, oh, a very gosh, sensory yeah. overload in the storm yeah. and the sound and yeah. the smells and yeah, and the I, feel I'm of I'm one of these weird people that like storms are just my vibe anyways. Like I'm, I'm a happy, mm -hmm. upbeat person. But I love moody, mm -hmm. dramatic weather, yeah. crackling thunder and lightning. Like, please, I'll go to sleep in that. That's great. Yeah. And that's a good idea for people who want to be campers, but they have kind of a large family. You just put the oldest kid in a tent. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, they're the bait for like, they're the bait for the storms and the bears. So the rest yeah. of you can stay yeah, safe. Great. That's a great <laughs> practical idea for the campers. Yeah. So, well, Daniel, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you. And my boys, like I said, had such a great time at the Generation Joshua event. And they're young still. They're kind of just um, hitting their teenage years. So they have a couple years to go and I'm excited for all the experiences they'll get to have with you and your team and excited to be playing your music around our house. So you, thank you, you are so, so much. kind. Thanks for having me. We love meeting your family and, and your, your kids were definitely fun in the program. I've heard stories. I was mostly at the booth, but I've heard stories from the team running it. So we can't wait to have them back for something else. And thanks for having me. This is really, this has really been a blast. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clux. You've come to the right place. 
I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.